0: The adventure began, um, I really like the sound of that, actually. So the adventure began about four and a half years ago. I was in a, uh, a, a pizza restaurant with a very good friend of mine named Oscar uh, from Gothenburg. And he told me uh, that he was going to go home to Sweden over winter to do this race called Vasaloppet. And he described it to me, and I, I it just sounded like such an interesting thing to do, because of the tradition, obviously, with Gustav Vassa, yeah. with the with the scenery, and obviously with the, uh, the level of difficulty that it is. So I was actually quite interested to get involved, uh, of, but of course, because he's a good friend of mine, he said, uh, that's actually a pretty ridiculous thing, because you don't even know how to ski, uh, and I took that as a challenge. Uh-huh. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs>
1: And um, so, so, and then when well, you you started to investigate, you you actually started also to learn how long. I mean, how how long is this race?
0: So, so Valdolope is is actually the longest cross country ski race in the world. It's ninety kilometers from Salem to Mora.
1: Okay. So, yeah. and, and nothing you investigated make you think, or oh, maybe it wasn't such a good idea after all.
0: Um. Well, to be honest, many things that I investigated <laughs> <laughs> made me think it might not be a great idea. Like what? but that didn't turn it out well. For instance, the fact that it was 90 kilometers, um, that it's in, you know, in winter time, the race itself was actually in the minus 18, which is a, a temperature I'm not very used to coming from living in Australia for 11 years. Yeah. Um, and obviously not underappreciating the level of skill and, uh, and athleticism required to do that because cross country skiing isn't easy, no. <laughs> especially, especially when you don't have a lot of experience in it. So, uh, and I didn't underappreciate that by any means. I knew what I was signing up for was going to be uh, quite difficult. I knew it was going to be a very hard task to do, but yeah. that's why I did it. For to be honest, uh, to keep me in track, uh, to overcome the mental and physical barriers. That's why I was doing it for a charity because that gave me the uh, the, the purpose and the you know the reason why I actually wanted to do it.
1: Oh, you disappearing a bit? Are you still there?
0: Oh, yeah oh, Sorry. Yeah, Yep. Yeah, I am here. Okay.
1: And what was the charity?
0: So, so the charity is called Feel the Magic, and what they do is it's actually a grief counseling program for children that have lost a parent, sibling, or legal guardian. Okay. So, so, so and they're an Australian-based charity, and um, and they have a camp called Camp Magic. And at this camp, they send families away. They send children away for three days to to have full activities and grief counseling, to learn how to live with their grief from losing, uh, you know, a family member. Okay. And uh, and that's what I wanted to support. So thankfully, in in doing the race, because uh, I had an, about an 11 month program in training and charity awareness in doing the race, I was able to save up enough money, uh, or sorry, uh, to earn enough money, uh, with, uh, charitable donations to send five children to camp. Wow! So, yeah, so I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that, but that was, that was a big, big milestone for me. Yeah. It was knowing that I was able to send families into this program. And also when I was in the race itself, you know, going, going downhill, which was the scariest part of it. Yeah. Um, knowing that that was the purpose that I was doing it for is what got me to the finish line.
1: I just want to make it clear for the listeners, you actually have very little, almost none, no experience of skiing, right?
0: Yeah, no, I actually had no experience of skiing. So the morning of the race, um, that when I put my boots into my skis on the morning of that race is the first time I had ever skied in my life.
1: But who helped you with all the equipment and the skis? And and also, (laughs) I ski. ski. (laughs) Who helped you with the ski wax to put (laughs) it underneath it?
0: Who was crazy enough to support this? Yeah. Um, So actually, the world-famous Team Santander uh, got behind me on this. So they they reached out. uh, believed in the charity. They re- they they were very clear on the fact that I've never skied before. Yeah. Um, but despite that, um, and Anders Auckland, the world champion cross country skier, uh, supported me. So they they provided me with the skis. They loaned me the equipment to use on the day. They gave me my. Racing suits, yeah, um, and and fully supported me with with everything from practical applications to yeah. lessons along the way. Um, oh. And also in that, there's a there's an organization here in Australia called Roller Ski Australia. Yeah, yeah, that that's fully sponsored me. So okay. Roller Ski are though based in Perth. They're they're doing roller skiing sessions all around Australia now. And they uh, they sponsored me with my equipment and training. Uh, so so though I had never skied, I'd never been in snow. I I was doing a lot of roller skiing to train. Oh, really? uh, here in Australia, yeah. So so actually, so you
1: were actually quite prepared physically in a way
0: for the race. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, it, it wasn't just something uh, I decided to do and then just, uh, you know… Show try. up. <laughs> just tried it and just showed up, yeah, yeah. Because, again, I have a huge respect for the sport. Yeah. And I have a very big respect for the, the professionals that do it. And um, and I knew that I would have to prepare. So how so do I, you…
1: What, what kind of length or how, what kind of distances do you do before on your roller skis for this so preparation? The,
0: that's a, yeah, that's a great question so on the <laughs> race, what I, what I would do uh, on the roller skis and preparing for it I would uh, I would do at least 30 to 40 ks a week um, on on the skis so often I would do like 20 30 ks at a time uh, the longest that I did in preparing for the race was um, I did 70 kilometers once while I was over in Perth oh, really? so I, I flew over there because the the beaches in Perth are much longer than the beaches in Sydney so over on the you know over on the west coast of Australia the beaches are much longer and therefore the paths that go along them are much longer. Okay. So, so I was able to ski for much further distances. So I'd fly over to Perth a few times and, and do longer training with Roller Ski Australia there. And, but, um, but are yeah.
1: they completely compatible, the, the roller yeah. skis and skis on snow?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, Johan, I was hoping they would be. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the closest thing that I had to be able to do it. Yeah. So. But so, are yeah. they? and i would say yes yeah. so if if anyone's interested in in actually training for cross country skiing but the weather is that if you don't have snow um that is a really really good way to train but but
1: um, then you are skiing not the classical way but you are doing the that kind of the modern way of skiing don't oh, you no,
0: actually actually it was it was classical is it classical so, yeah so, oh, so right. So I had uh, Swinor roller skis that were made uh, the same diameter and, and um, the same strapping that a classic the, the classic technique had. Oh, so it I was see. actually classic skiing. Okay. So you can, you can do either. There, there, I mean, you can definitely do the skate skiing. Yeah. Um, but this, I, I never, I've actually never trained in skate skiing at all because okay. I knew Vasa Lopez was a classic race. So I only trained in classic
1: skiing. All right, Josh, you are on the starting line. You are yep. Vasa Take us there. What is your what is your <laughs> sentiments and your feelings? And what do you see and feel when you stand there?
0: It's uh, it's uh, well, it's, it's good to be back there. Um, <laughs> so, so it's so it's minus eighteen degrees. Uh, First off, the hardest thing that I've done so far is actually taking my coat off yes. uh, to, give it, uh, to give it to the, the handlers on the side of the race, because um, obviously you're going to be way too hot soon if you, if you wear your coat into the race. Yeah. So there's that. There's a band playing. There's a, there's a band playing. There was. They were actually playing some ABBA cover songs, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> um, and there's thousands of people standing around dancing. The energy is really high. Everyone is in a very good mood there 's smiling faces everywhere. Just a lovely, lovely morning um, it, The sun hasn 't completely come up yet it 's about six o 'clock about six thirty in the morning. The race actually starts at seven a m mm. and and there i am i 've got my feet in my skis in the tracks for the first time i 'm kind of getting a feel for what it feels like for these skis to slide on the snow because uh, Team Santander also actually waxed my skis okay. for me because I didn't know how to do that. Mm. And um, and and yeah, and I, I'll i be honest, I'm, I'll be very transparent. I was very nervous.
1: You were nervous, yeah. I
0: was yeah. nervous. I was borderline scared. Yeah. But I was very excited. Very okay. excited. It's actually a good emotion to remember how that felt on the day. Actually, because it was so much fun.
1: But where, but when you start and then you do something you've never done before, but you're just surrounded by thousands of people. Do they get in your way? Is a lot of shuffling and pushing? <laughs> or.
0: Um more like i got in their way yeah. <laughs> to be honest yeah. but um, no they so they, there was there was a lot of i wouldn't say shoving and pushing because it didn't feel aggressive yeah. uh pe- people were in a very good mood people were very kind very helpful hmm. there was one guy at the at the start of the race that i was uh, to this day actually for the rest of my life i will always be inspired by this man um he was paralyzed from the waist down so he was in a sit ski uh doing the race using just his arms oh, um so there's there's people of all different types of levels there um and everyone was very helpful uh and and i, and I didn't feel any any aggression <laughs> at yeah. all people were really caring uh, and it was just a wonderful experience and i would do it again yeah. I, absolutely just a lovely lovely day i would encourage everyone to do it honestly but
1: did, did you ever fall on your bum because i heard we talked before <laughs> you said that going downhill was quite
0: scary Yes, it was uh, it was very scary. So I did fall a couple of times. Yeah. Um. But I never, but I never took off my skis and walked once. Never. Uh, I figured, you know, I could walk down a hill anywhere, um, mm. or a mountain anywhere. Yeah. Um, I'm there to ski. So yeah. what I did is, as I just went for it, Johan. I actually just. I just bent down, put my knees on my, or put my elbows on my knees, and just talked into it and went as quick as I could. Um, turns out, you can actually go really quick. <laughs> and, um, and some of the t- sometimes down at the bottom, you know, if there was a bit of a sharp turn towards the bottom, uh, because the tracks. I was not quite familiar with how to handle that. Yeah. Uh, a couple of times I did come out of the tracks and fall, but nothing bad, nothing but, bad. But no, are there really
1: tracks happening. after all these thousands of skiers going yeah. and they're still quite clear tracks to follow. Certainly. Yeah. yeah, the
0: whole the whole day there was great tracks. And well, and that's another thing to be very appreciative of in my experience is that it was very um the the conditions were perfect. They said that they were the best snow conditions that they'd had in seven years yeah so i'm very fortunate last year was not the case last yeah. year i understand that it was very very um very different it was very slushy it was very wet and the tracks were almost non-existent the it, whole time is
1: there any breaks for for toilet or for for feeding <laughs> sustenance how do you how how did that work out
0: yeah there, there were so there, there's there's nine stops um different checkpoints along the way where where I was introduced to blueberry uh, blueberry soup yeah. for the first time, that, that, was, a, that was great. That would give you um, a boost, yeah. Yeah, it definitely did give me <laughs> yeah. a boost. So yeah. I, took, I took that at every chance that I could. Yeah, and then um, and then yeah, there there are um, there are places for toilet breaks along the way. Yeah, but I'll tell you one one thing. This and this is just a personal yeah, um, yeah. A, a personal thing that happened from my experiences. That I absolutely loved was. Uh, a very good friend of mine, his name is Eric Backstrom, uh, showed up at the race. He used to be a flatmate of mine. He's a Swedish guy. Okay. He used to be a flatmate of mine when I lived in Australia. Yeah. And, uh, and I hadn't seen him in nine years. And he saw on Facebook, he saw that I posted on Facebook that I was there doing this race. So he drove from South of Gothenburg, all the way out, uh, wow. to, to meet me at my first uh checkpoint, and then he was there with me every single checkpoint along the way. Ah. Um, and so I actually had a phenomenal uh, Support. friend and inspiration yeah. the whole way. Yeah, did to, um,
1: you, Josh, to, did it, you yeah. ever feel though, I can't do it anymore, this is too much, my legs are cramping, and I, it's just too much? Did you ever, did that thought even come across your mind?
0: No, never, never, once. Never. never once, no, ah. never once. Um, no, I, I I had done a lot of physical training for it and a lot of mental preparation for it. So there were times where I knew that my, that my, my body was very sore, but what I did is I, I acknowledged that feeling and then I, but I didn't let it own me. I just realized, okay, my back is sore. That's just what it is. I'm just going to keep going. Okay. And, um, yeah, there was one point at 50 K's that, that my back did get, I I did feel my back was quite sore and I, I stretched a little bit at the checkpoint. And I kept going. Yeah, just kept just kept pushing.
1: Okay, finally, you see the sign, goal, and you you are <laughs> coming towards that. Take us there now, Josh.
0: Oh my goodness, that was one of the uh, man, I, one of the most heart lifting things I've ever seen. Because for a year <laughs> of my life, I've been looking at photos of the finish line, and here to actually be at it, having. 89 kilometers behind me knowing i've got just one left so as you go along they count down their signs they count down the kilometers of how many k's you have left to go and i turned the corner came down into morta and there's a sign that just has the number one on it which is my last kilometer and i pushed through it was dark because it took me 11 hours to do the race so it was dark by the time i got into it this the 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 area was lit up there's the the old church there in morta where you go and you pass that into the uh into the stadium. People were clapping, Uh, just a lot of people finished at the same time I did, and I just had so much energy. I was so happy uh, to be there, and I just pushed as hard as I could to get across the line. Uh, quite quickly. And then at the end, I was actually interviewed by, um, by one of uh, the, the people from Vasa actually in the stadium. So they came up to me with a microphone to interview me and my experience right at the end <laughs> of the race. So I used up the, the last remaining energy I had to actually do that, which was a lot of fun.
1: Well, you managed to get out of bed the next day.
0: Um, I did. I slept in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my, my hips were a little bit sore, but I, I did get out of bed at about noon. Josh, will um, you do this again? I would absolutely do it again.